0: Tuesday. Church, how are you today? Good. Hey, so glad that you're here. Listen, I know that in our journey of life, that life can be hard and there are things that keep us, uh, wanting to stay home. Maybe it's the aches and pains of getting up or trying to get dressed in the morning or just feeling, you know, wondering about our value or the safety of coming out. And so I want to just thank you for coming today because it's important that you have fellowship with other believers. It's important that there are people here to encourage you. It's important that you know that you have value uh, to God and to us. It's important that you know um, that you haven't been put out to pasture because we need you. The Lord needs you to do great works and to continue to love on people around you. So what I want to do is this is kind of old school hope you don't mind that. Um, but would you just take a few seconds and greet those who are around you? Would you just say, Hey, I am so glad that you're here today. It makes you matter. Okay, you guys are too fellowshipy, all right? Listen, you know what the definition of fellowship is? It's two fellows in a ship. You can't have fellowship with one person. And we need each other. We need community. We need to know that we are not alone. We need to know that there is a purpose. We need to know that God has created us for something greater. And friends, you... You have a pulse, you have a purpose, you have a mission, and you need each other, but more importantly, you need God. And so don't let the pressures, don't let the thoughts, don't let the the roadblocks that come up into our minds today stop you from being here because the Lord wants to do something great in your life today. Hey, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God's got something great for you today. All right. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Listen, we are in this series. Thank you. Thank you. I believe that. Listen, we're in this series called cracked pots. How many of you feel like cracked pots today? How many of you feel like you've been struggling? Like it's been a challenge that you have lived a lifetime, right? You can't go through life without nicks and cracks and scars and breaks. And when you have gotten to our age, when you have gotten to a place where you know that that uh, you can look at your past and say, man, I don't know how I made it through that time in my life except for the grace of God and his redemptive power. There is something great about scars because they tell a story. There is something great in scripture that we see when God says, look, those who have been hurt, those who have been broken, James chapter one, Romans chapter five says that when you have been through a battle, when you have been through a test, it is because God has allowed you to go through that and you have gained wisdom and you have gained character and you have gained perseverance and you have matured in your lifetime because of those scars. So your scars matter. Your story matters. It does not disqualify you. In fact, it makes you more beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are looking good. Turn back to that person and say, I know. All right. So today we are at one of the most important places in this series. Any of you, uh, have a favorite movie? Any of you, when, I know that, you know, some of you, like, I know one person, Ray, would, for, when he grew up, there weren't, wasn't even TV out yet. So, where's Ray? Right here. <laughs> I see you, Ray. I see you. How many of you have a favorite movie that you saw growing up? My, on the count of three, I want you to shout out your favorite movie. Ready? One, two, three. Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Right. Indiana Jones. You guys are on it today. I'm glad we're thinking like, so Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. You know, I named my youngest son after Indiana Jones because I just think he's so cool and I like Indiana. But my favorite movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. One of my favorite scenes is at the very beginning of the movie. Indiana Jones who is a finder of lost things. He is an archaeologist. is teaching a class on archaeology. And he was talking to the students about the misperception of finding treasure. And he says, as archaeologists, we do not follow uh, maps that lead to buried treasure. And X never, ever marks the spot. What he's saying is, is that treasure is not found where we think that it should be found. It's not found where we think that we should look. There is a mythology to finding treasure, and that's that it's buried and that we can find a map. If there was a map to the treasure, why didn't the person who gave you the map find it themselves? Later on in the movie, we see how wrong he really is. In the movie, Indiana Jones, in the... In the um, last crusade he's looking for the holy grail what is the holy grail according to to legend it's the cup that jesus used at the last supper and that was used to catch his blood from the cross and it's been something that people have sought um, for their entire lifetimes but friends treasure is most often found in unexpected places just like your glasses just like your keys who would have thought that they would be in the freezer? But treasure is most often found in unexpected places. I heard a story one time of a guy who was looking for treasure in San Francisco. He was an antiquer. Any antiques in here? My mom is a big antiquer. She loves to go to Goodwill and garage sales and stuff like that. And she finds treasures all the time that she tells me about. But hi, mom, if you're watching today, glad you're here. So... He was looking through San Francisco and uh, he came across this small old antique shop and he walked in and he looked around. Most of it was just junk and trinkets that just were really worth nothing. And, and uh, all of a sudden, though, he looked down and there was a cat and there was the cat drinking out of the most exquisite bowl he had ever seen. In fact, as he got a closer look without trying to be too obvious, he discovered that the bowl that the cat was drinking milk out of was a priceless vase from the Ming dynasty. He thought, this guy doesn't know what he has. I mean, this is worth, you you can't even put a price on it. This is ancient history. How can I get this bowl away from this man without him knowing what a great treasure he has? So he came up with a plan and he said to the man, he said, you know, um, thank you for let me look around. I was just noticing just how exquisite your cat is. Your cat is an exquisite animal. I must have your cat. And the man said, Oh, I couldn't get rid of my cat. I mean, my cat is, keeps the mice out of our shop and it's, you know, a great companion for me and my wife. And the man said, look, I know this is absurd, but I got to have that cat. How about I give you a hundred dollars for your cat? The man said, well, that's a lot of money for a cat. I mean, my cat is definitely not worth $100, but if you really want my cat that much, you can have it. And the man said, okay, done deal. And he pulled out a $100 bill and put it on the counter. He said, by the way, you know, since I'm traveling, I'm going to need something to feed the cat from, and I, you know, so he can drink his milk. Why don't I just throw in another $10 and I'll take that old vase, that old bowl you have on the floor that you've been feeding your cat with. And the owner of the shop said, oh, sir, I could never do that. That is a priceless vase from the Ming Dynasty. And it's priceless. Funny thing, though, since I've been feeding my cat from that vase, I've sold 17 cats. (laughs) Who would have ever thought you could find treasure in an antique shop in San Francisco? My mom would have thought that. But most of us wouldn't believe that you could find treasure at a trinket store. I mean, whenever we think of treasure, what do we think of? We think of finding it in... Buried beneath pyramids or in sunken ships or in exotic jungles or buried deep in the, the, in the earth. I mean, that's why we love shows about buried treasure and treasure hunts. I don't know about you, but I've always wanted to find buried treasure. I've always loved those movies like Treasure Island, like National Treasure, like Goonies, like Indiana Jones. But what if I were to tell you today that the greatest treasure is found in a place that the enemy wants you to think is worthless so that you'll never even think about looking there for this great treasure. It's in a cracked pot. It's in a broken vessel. It has a scars and it's been diminished in beauty from the world's point of view. But the greatest treasure of all That has ever existed in the history of humanity. Is inside of you. Listen to what 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 says. This is kind of our key verse for this entire series. For God who said let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts. So that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like what? Fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Would you just turn to the person next to you and say, you're a (laughs) crackpot. Now, would you just say to that person back, you're not so hot yourself. This verse is so meaningful to me. We have this treasure in fragile jar clays. So that we know that it's not anything that we've done. It's not the way we look. It's not what's in our 401k. It's not in our bank accounts. It's not in our house. It's not in our aging bodies. It's not in our families. It's not in our culture. It's not in our society. It's not in anything that we've placed value. It's the message of Jesus Christ. It's the message of hope. It's the message of salvation. It's the message and reminder that these bodies were not what we were created to finish our existence in. The inside of the physical us that we walk around in, these physical bodies. There's a spiritual soul deep inside of you, that inner voice that's going to live forever. God cares more about who you are and who you're becoming than he cares what you do or what you're worth according to bank accounts and the standards of the world. This treasure is the light of Christ. This treasure is what has changed cultures and brought down uh, despots and broken the tyranny of dictatorships. It's what's caused kingdoms to change and empires to expand in a good way. It's what's caused life change in the worst of the worst. This treasure that you have in your fragile jar of clay has the power to change every man, woman, and child's destiny from the moment that they're born. This treasure is so beautiful and powerful, everything else pales in comparison. And this treasure is the good news. You know, we used to use the word gospel. You ever heard that? gospel preacher, gospel song, gospel. You know what gospel means? It literally, the word means God's spell, which translate to good news. You have this good news that can change the destiny and present and past of every man, woman, child buried inside of you. When I was uh, the advanced age of 25 years old, which was like last year, uh, I was starting a new ministry at a church in in Portage, Michigan, under a man by the name of Denny Young who became so invaluable and important in my life. And um, I got on staff and he's like, hey, you're going to go to this march in Washington, D.C. It's called the Million Man March for Christians. And um, I was going to go, but now you're going to go. Good luck. God bless. Tell me how it goes. So you're going to be on a bus for 12 hours. So we get there and it's just amazing. And, and it filled up the entire mall in Washington, D.C. with Christian men. And Max Lucado got up to speak. And he said, on the count of three, I want everyone to yell out the name Jesus. And one, two, three, and men, boys of all ages and races from every part of the country yelled the name Jesus. And I'm not going to lie to you. I saw this with my own eyes. There was a tree off the edge of the mall that shook with the power of the name of Jesus. For you have this treasure in jars of clay. Not so that you can boast. But so that God can do the good work he planned in you. Listen to what um, happens on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. Jesus says to these guys, he says, are these people, he says, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Are you ready? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. My friends, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you did last night or this morning. I don't care if you're an addict, if you're an adulterer, if you're persecuted, if you've made poor choices, if you've lived in a bad lifestyle. I don't care what shame or guilt the enemy wants you to carry around like this weight in this anchor that draws you down. It could have happened 40 years ago. I baptized a man one time who came to me and said with tears in his eyes, Shane, I don't know that God can love me. And I said, why? He said, when I was in the workforce 40 years ago, I stole things from the stock room and took them home because we didn't have anything at home and God cannot forgive a thief. And I said, then you don't know the Jesus that I know because the Jesus I know can take that shame, can take that guilt, can wipe it away, can give you a second chance, can give you a do over, can give you a new beginning. Do you believe that? today because if you do then you should live your life differently you don't have to live as the world condemns you you don't have to live with that black mark that was put against you you have been freed by jesus and if you have been freed it means that you should live and if you can live as a free person as a person who has been redeemed your life should be fundamentally changed from this point forward so do not let the world tell you how terrible a person you are because Jesus has stood in your place and said, their sin is mine and they are clean before God. So come on, let's go because Second Peter chapter 2, 9 says this, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, is there any better news than that? Is there any greater truth? It's almost overwhelming for us to think that we are being called to be a standard bearer. of Such incredible news that God has placed this treasure in our heart to take to the farthest ends of the earth. And we often think, why would God choose me? If you knew my past, if you knew that I didn't, couldn't read till I was in fifth grade, if you knew that, um, for me this is true. I flunked kindergarten because I said I'd, I'd never be able to talk to people. I was too shy. If you knew the mistakes I'd made, if you knew how um, un—man, just what a failure I've been in my in my walk. The things that I've said, the things that I've sought, the things that I've seen, the things that I've said. God, you wouldn't use me. I'm just a nobody. I don't even know. What words to use or where to find things in the Bible. How could you choose me? Okay, I want you to turn to the person. This is important. You turn to that person next to you or behind you or in front of you or on the side and say, you are chosen. Anybody know who J.R. Tolkien is? He's a great theologian. He was a professor, I think, at Cambridge in England. He wrote some book called the series called the Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I've never heard of it. He also wrote the Hobbit, right? So he writes in this story in the Lord of the Rings trilogy about a young hobbit. That's a nobody because how hobbits are nobodies. His name was Frodo. And he is given the tremendous responsibility of being the ring bearer for the most fearsome power in all of the world. In these stories called the one ring. Now, there's a council of the the three free races at that time. The humans, the dwarves, and the elves. And they're called together to talk about what to do with the greatest power in the world. And they talk about who should carry this fearsome power because it has to be destroyed. It is the greatest quest that anybody can be given. And they say, well, Frodo has the ring from his uncle, Bilbo. Bilbo. And so let him be the one that carries it. He's carried it this far. (laughs) And they begin to argue why would we let a nobody be a somebody? Why would we let a nobody who is not a great warrior take on such a fearsome task? I mean, let one of the great warriors sitting around this council be the ring bearer because somebody's going to have to protect it, somebody's going to have to make tough decisions. And he's a hobbit, he's short. And has hairy feet. Ladies, don't look at your husband right now. And they say, no, we're going to let Frodo do it. But the responsibility of Frodo, the weight of this burden is so overwhelming that later on he will come to one of the most powerful elves in the entire world whose name was, who was named the lady of the woods and said, please, would you take this ring? Hey, I can't carry this anymore. I can't carry this responsibility. I'm not good enough. I can't. I'm not strong enough. I'm not courageous enough. You carry the ring for me. And she says, you are the ring bearer, Frodo. The task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. See, friends, God has given you a mission. No one else can do what you can do. No one else has the contacts that you have. No one else rubs shoulders with the neighbors like you do. No one else goes through the Walmart checkout line or goes to the bank or eats it. I mean, where do you guys eat again, Ray? Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. No one eats a Cracker Barrel like you do. My mom's favorite place, by the way. You see, you are carriers of this great treasure that's hidden in a fragile clay jar and no one can do what you can do because no one has been given your mission if you choose to accept it. Either way, the message is going to explode in five seconds. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says. For we are God's what? Come on now. We are God's what? Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And friends, it's up to you. No one else can carry this mantle. No one else can lead this charge. No one else is called to do this battle but you. How many of you have grandchildren? Raise your left hand. I can't remember which hand I am. How many of you have great grandchildren? How many of you have great, great grandchildren? How many of you have great, great, great grandchildren? How many of you have children that you love? How many of you have people in your life that you love? How many people, how many of you would love for those people to spend an eternity, um, being tortured in the fires and without the presence of God in hell? There's only one person that can do what you can do. And so as a wizened old wizard came to a little hobbit and said, you're the ring bearer. As an old Jedi Knight came to a young Luke Skywalker and said, you've been chosen. As a wizened old Sean Connery comes to his wayward son, Indiana Jones even though the dog was named Indiana and said, this is what the search for the grail really entails. God has called someone into your life to say, this is your moment. This is your time. Let's go on this quest together. There's a beautiful old story that I heard so long ago about Jesus Um, being ascended after his death, burial, and resurrection. He gets back to heaven and the angels are there. And they're like, so Jesus, you know, what have you been doing these last 33 years or so? Um, And he's like, well, you'll never believe the story. This is what God, the mission, the father sent me on. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, he told them about his ministry and his birth, his ministry, his death, his burial and his resurrection. And about his ascension, they're like, Jesus, that is so unbelievable. And he's like, yeah, you have done what the world has been crying out for since the fall of humanity, all the way back in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, uh, you were prophesied to come. And he's like, I know. And they're like, what are you going to do with this incredible testimony, this good news? And Jesus said, well, while I was down there, there was a group of committed believers who believed that I was the, the son of God and uh, they loved me. And they're going to take this message to the farthest ends of the world. And uh, Gabriel looked at Jesus and said, "Uh, what? You mean that rabble? You mean the guy, Peter, who denied you three times? You mean all of your followers who ran away and left you when you were on the cross? Those are the people you're going to send into the world. Those failures, those screw ups. Those people who wear their shoes on the wrong feet, really, that's who you want to send? What's your plan B, Jesus? And Jesus said, I don't have one. But they will not fail because they have the truth. And the truth is what will set people free. Friends, today, today is your day. There's not a moment to lose. There's not a minute to be wasted. You have been called for greatness, to be the hero in the story that God has put you into, which is being played out in the greater context of his story. So what are you going to do? Will you accept the challenge? Will you carry the truth? Will you save a life and help someone to realize a redeemed life? Because the enemy loves to tell us stories of our failures. He loves to shame us and cause guilt. But Jesus wants to free you today. So let's go. Buckle on your sword. Find your journal. And the instruction manual. And let's go. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your grace. Today, Lord, I pray that you would just, that you would help us to believe what your word says, that you would help us to love you, that you would help us to know that we are to be used by you because we've been appointed as messengers, even though we have these fragile clay jars that this treasure is held within with scratches and dings and dents. Lord, it's through our imperfection that you have chosen to take this perfect message. Help us to be bold and courageous. Help us to know that as long as we have a pulse, we have a purpose. And so, God, help us to live free and live with passion and a sense of adventure because the best is yet to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.